0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Take advantage of the advanced video capabilities offered by Bosch to help reduce your shrink risk. Integrate video recordings with point of sale data for visual verification of transactions and exception reporting. Use video analytics for immediate notification of important AP-related events and leverage analytics metadata for fast forensic searches for evidence and to improve merchandising and operations. Learn more about extending your video system beyond simple surveillance in Zones 1 through 4 of LPRC's Zones of Influence by visiting Bosch Online at BoschSecurity.com.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science Podcast. Today... The latest in our weekly update series and uh, coming to you from Gainesville and other parts around. And uh, I'll be joined today by Tony D'Onofrio and Tom Mian, as well as our producer, Diego Rodriguez. And we're going to talk just a little bit about what's going on around the world, uh, starting back again as we're still in COVID-19, uh, dealing with some of these different types of, um, I guess, the different strains and, and the offspring of Omicron in particular. And, uh, you know, we've got the BA.2, BA.2, .12, .1, BA.4, BA.5, and so on. Um, they're just becoming increasingly infectious. Um, they are the probably the fastest spreading respiratory virus in world history at this point. Um, uh, the, these new variants are, you know, been described by Mayo Clinic and other research institutions as hyper contagious. Um, And a little bit of math, it's really interesting, uh, according to reports uh, in Scientific American, that a single case, if the individual is viremic, one of us is viremic, we're infected and infectious, uh, could give rise to six cases uh, after four days. Um, But that grows to 36 cases, of course, after eight days, 216 cases after 12 days. So it just gives you an idea uh, that that's what we have always talked about going viral. That's what we're talking about. Uh, these coronaviruses are viruses and uh, are going viral. And the fact that they continue to evolve, to morph, to adapt, to adjust, overcome, uh, to get more efficient at spreading and propagating their own gene code, uh, which is a primary uh, objective of any virus, of course, is to do just that. And um, so we'll be talking about probably researchers are predicting based on some of those numbers, 100 million Americans, 100 million of us will become infected with Omicron this year, 2022 into 23. Um, really, through new infections, reinfections, uh, and and some of these will be vaccination breakthroughs. Of course, um, there are data that are showing if you're if we are vaccinated or have had natural infection. Of course, we can have a breakthrough and a reinfection, um, but that they are typically much milder. Um, Infections in that right, but we may still be viremic. We may, in addition to becoming infected, um, and uh, the other part of the Omicron, it looks like uh, new and new newer research emerging. Uh, in, in addition to it being highly highly transmissible, um, it's also seasonless. You know, typically we saw influenza or flu coming in the winter and leaving in the spring, um, but it looks like uh, in used in the U.S. Americans continue to experience a lot of COVID nineteen infection year-round, and again, testing's way down compared to last year, but you look at the daily infection rates, over 100,000 currently here at 2022, uh, compared to around 30,000 a day, um, Americans' new infections reported uh, in 2021. So um, stay tuned, uh, stay masked, or whatever is going to best help you uh, not get it. I read some research by uh, from some virologists, immunologists, infectious disease experts, epidemiologists, looking at you know some of the COVID and the infections and things like that. Um, but but one thing they talked about was symptoms that we get. We've all heard the symptoms from headaches and um, body aches. Um, sometimes some of the other things that we're dealing with these symptoms are. But there it, there are two things that happen. One is. Where does the symptom come from? And the researchers talking about well, primarily, initially, especially, but primarily, these symptoms are indicating that's our immunity. The immunity is working; it's fighting the infection. That's where the fever, the congestion comes up as our body uh, elevates our temperature uh, as as we produce uh, flows to pour to kind of evacuate the viral particles from us things like that uh, as T cells go into action and kill if there are infected cells kill those cells um, you know all these things can create discomfort pain uh, and, and even of course severe agony and worse but that's what's going on. the second reason of course is actually then though if the infection starts to win and it's causing some harm so when 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 those of us might lose our smell uh, our breathing becomes constricted now our body's being overwhelmed by, the viral particles, the, the rapid spread. <clears throat> also by sometimes we saw this, especially early on in the pandemic, uh, where our sometimes our immunity, our immune function was in overdrive, was not responding uh in properly, uh, or again, was not in a, in an intent to overwhelm the virus, was actually overwhelming ourselves. So um that's kind of two symptoms and and look at. Um, so I think that those were the two, some of the main points we wanted to have here around COVID, uh, that infections are up. Uh, vaccinations have still remained steady and continue to grow. Uh, billions now of humans have been vaccinated um, and hundreds and hundreds of millions have been naturally infected. Uh, so uh, you know we're in a lot better shape from that standpoint as far as serious disease, uh, including fatalities go. Uh, switching over, looking at the LPRC front, um we ha- we continue to have lab visits and we want to encourage everybody all our listeners all our members and non-members alike uh schedule a visit with us come in visit the team brainstorm with us tour our labs um let us know what you're thinking we've we've had a lot of visitors come through recently including say JC Penney team uh just just came in uh but we've got many more scheduled this week and and beyond we'll also look forward to seeing everybody at uh, The National Retail Federation NRF Protect Conference uh, in in, uh, Cleveland Uh, will be up there starting Sunday through that Wednesday Uh, in June. uh, We'll have a booth space that uh, NRF graciously provides LPRC in the same way that RELA, FMI, um, and NACS and others do as well. Uh, So we look forward to seeing you. Uh, Again, for any of these things, reach out to us. We'd like you to to subscribe to the Connect e-newsletter. It comes out weekly. It's short. It's nice, it's got a lot of big pictures, connections, ways to get involved, uh, pathways to learn more, uh, to ask questions and so on. But for any of these things, again, reach out please to operations at lpresearch.org, operations at lpresearch.org. And again, we're always at lpresearch.org is our website. Uh, We've got, still looking at the Product Protection Summit. Um, That's all, the data have been collected, the voting's occurred, the polling, um, the top uh, contenders have been selected in all the categories. Stay tuned again through the Connect um, and on this podcast. We've got, uh, there's still heavy planning getting ready for the su- Supply Chain Protection Working Groups Summit and the Violent Crime Working Groups Summit. Uh, also in August, you're looking at the Innovation Working Group SOC and Sensor Summit or S3 that will be in Gainesville. Um, The other two, it looks like, will be in Philadelphia. Um, So more research going on in the UF Safer Places Lab. I've got meetings today and this week with different partners. So stay tuned. Stay connected with us. Uh, Let me go ahead and turn it over to Tony D'Onofrio.
2: Thank you. Uh, Again, I'm still in Europe, uh, and there's uh, interesting retail here. I've been Visiting many stores and and retail's coming back in Europe, although the war is taking a challenge and inflation is still high. For example, Italy, where I'm at today, just reported again very high inflation and concern with the government. But let me start this uh, this this week by going back to the U.S. and, and looking at the uh, Jack L Hayes International just Re- results of their 34th annual retail theft survey which reports on over 200,000 shoplifters and dishonest employee apprehensions in 2021, but just uh, 25 large companies who recovered over 240 million from the thieves. As the report said, when it comes to shoplifting, the survey showed many retailers moved away from apprehensions in 2021 and focused more on recoveries. The survey revealed that shoplifting apprehensions were, were down 16% in 2021, while overall shoplifting recoveries um, from apprehended and non apprehended teams were up a staggering nearly 31%. Survey respondents noted the pandemic environment, staff safety, lower police response, and higher risk as some of the reasons for less shoplifting apprehensions. There was an increase in 2021 in both dishonest employee apprehensions and recovery dollars up 6% and nearly 30%, again, very high respectively. Survey respondents under the additional focus on enhanced investigation, methods, and tools, and lesser social supervision are some of the reasons for the increase in apprehensions and recovery dollars of dishonest employee. My favorite section every year are the responses from job applicants. Uh, To further evaluate the severity of employee theft, Hayes International analyzed over 19,000 randomly selected applicant uh, questionnaires, which are pre-employment honesty tests given to retail job applicants. Of these, uh, just over 19,000 Uh, Of these, there was a total of just over 19,000, 12,000, just over 12,200 were rated as low risk, and 3,700, or about 20%, were rated uh, high risk, and the rest were weighed medium risk. Nearly 27%, and this is interesting, nearly 27% of the high-risk applicants say they could be tempted to steal from their employers. Over 17% admitted stealing money in the past three years. Nearly 16% stole merchandise. Previous TAFTA admissions for the group of 3,700 high-risk applicants total just over $256,000, or uh, nearly $70 per applicant, while the admission for the group of low-risk was uh, just just over $71,000 or about $6 per applicant. Again, um, it is generally estimated the correct amount for stolen money and merchandise is approximately 10 times more than the admitted amount. Therefore, based on admissions made by the applicant's questionnaire, the average high-risk job applicant was responsible a theft of uh, just over $692 compared to uh, uh, nearly $59 for the average risk. So interesting uh, in terms of what employees uh, actually report in these surveys, and interestingly how honest they actually are about their theft activity. So that's something to watch. And again, it's one of my favorite annual reports that I look to in terms of what's happening uh, to shrink trend. Let me switch topics and move to uh, chain storage. Uh, With all the talks of supply chain, I thought uh, this week I will share uh, from the 22 edition from Gartner, uh, which identified the leading supply uh, chains, which includes nine retailers. Microsoft uh, actually appeared on the list at number 10, the highest-ranking retailer of nine companies with significant direct-to-consumer retail operations on the list. The other other retailers include L'Oreal, the Coca-Cola company, Nike, Walmart, Hewlett-Packard, Dell, BMW, and Alibaba. Uh, Overall, Cisco Systems scored the overall top spot in the ranking for the third consecutive year, followed by Schneider Electric, Colgate-Palmolive, Johnson & Johnson, and PepsiCo. According to Gardner, supply chain executives are balancing long-term investment in automation with immediate investments in technologies that reduce cognitive load and prioritize time and attention to areas where people perform better with machines, such as relationship building and responding to new operating conditions. There are also cases where people perform better with machines. For example, warehouse workers can increase their productivity by working with robots. So it's interesting how automation is coming, but it's being balanced in and enhancing what workers are actually doing. So supply chain continue to get focused, and I think that will continue for quite some time. And finally this week, in support of TOM, uh, let me list the top five cyber crimes according to Statista for 2021. And this is from uh, an FBI report and it lists a number of Americans have felt that actually fell to these types of crime that were impacted by these types of crime in 2021. Number one, the biggest by far was fishing, fishing and smishing. Nearly 324,000 people were hit in 2021. Number two was non-payment and non-delivery, just over 82,000. Number three was personal data breach, nearly 52,000. Identity theft was number four, again, nearly 52,000. Extortion was number five, just over 39,000. And finally, what was interesting in, in the data that was listed in the Statista infographic, uh, the impact of, of uh, financially to these people was an amazing $4 billion. So these are big problems. So listen to Tom every week in terms of what he talks about, in terms of getting protected. From these types of things. So from Europe, signing off for this week, and uh, looking forward to continuing uh, this podcast and talking about how LPRC can engage on technologies.
3: Well, hello everyone. Thank you, Reed. Thank you, Tony. Uh, we're going to cover some cyber risk, like we always do, and just talk about some current events. But wanted to start off by uh, a zero-day vulnerability, and just to remind everybody, a zero-day vulnerability is a uh, a vulnerability that was previously unknown that just uh, comes out. Uh, generally, w- when you hear about these, you you hear about all the horrific things that occur with them. This one uh, is uh, was confirmed by Microsoft. Uh, it's called Phonilla. It is a, a pretty significant um, zero day. And basically, uh, what makes this attack different than others is if you've been in uh, the the business world using email for many years, you might remember macros. Uh, on doc, uh, Excel documents or Excel sheets and my scripts in uh, Word documents. And when you used to open them, are you sure you want to enable these? And that was because you could execute malicious code. What's interesting about this zero day is that you don't actually need to enable a macro to uh, to have this malicious code. So it could just be a file in an email or a file that's downloaded. And what this zero day does is it allows remote code uh, to be used. And basically what, what can occur is someone can get... Uh, full access to your your system. So the remote code is executed, and then you can um, really threat actors can get in and, and elevate their own privileges to change uh, settings on a computer much more malicious code. It's a pretty nasty vulnerability. Uh, we continue to see you know reports of these type of vulnerabilities, and we will. And and I think what is important to note is that this is not when you talking about zero day this is not a hacking event this is a vulnerability that was created by either a, a code error or just an unknown vulnerability and now you have bad actors taking advantage of this and it is uh, it is being seen out in the wild uh it ultimately it looks like the attackers that uh discovered it um we're actually going out and using this in various attacks in the last 30 to 45 days. So, certainly something to keep an eye on. It just it serves as a stark reminder to just be sure to, to patch and update every time you see the ability to patch and update. With zero days, the unfortunate part is that usually there's a little bit of a lag before. patch comes out. Um, Sometimes 0 days are identified by researchers, uh, others uh, by bad actors, and then sometimes inadvertently. But this one is a particularly nasty one because it it takes advantage of um, an Excel sheet or a document and the way it works is it hasn't previously been seen. So uh, just get the computers patched and keep an eye on uh, your emails and your attachments. If you're not expecting something or it's an unknown sender, you know, resist the urge to click. Um, and then just one of the things that, that's coming up is smishing. So we talk about phishing and vishing and all these things, but what we're seeing is delivery scams, home delivery scams, with a very professional feel. So you'll get a text message or an email apologizing for not delivering your parcel or package. Uh, we've known that that's been around for years. This one's a little bit different because, um, you know, these scams to have become steadily more proficient and oftentimes are using more generic messages. We see these all of the time during uh, holidays, but now we're starting to see them pop up. Very, very regularly, and if you use a credit monitoring service or any of the monitoring services that look at the dark web, uh, you'll get a notification that says your cell phone number is exposed and nothing else except for your cell phone number and name. And what uh, bad actors can do is they can create a malicious text message um, that is geared really specifically towards you. So let's just say there was a data breach and your username and password wasn't made available online, but your name and address and cell phone number were... That allows a, a bad hacker using scripts to actually send a text message that says, hey, Tom, we were supposed to deliver a package to this address at this time, and you weren't available. Um, click here you know, to reroute your package. A very authentic looking, and again, that personal touch really adds it. We've seen a huge, huge increase of these types of attacks outside of the normal um, holiday time. and. Uh, I think it's it's important to note that uh, outside the U.S. there's been a huge, huge, huge increase in, in the European, uh, both in the U.K. and Germany, but we're seeing this in the U.S. as well. And as your personal information becomes more readily available, there are much more tailored messages. So the smishing the, the, the text message becomes a very, very um, convincing text message. And also as humans, we like to click and see. What it is so one of the one of the things what can you do to protect yourself uh, is very similar to phishing in an email is check your URLs or your websites very carefully steer clear of linked messages in your text message and email if possible uh, report compromised cards or accounts immediately check your bank accounts and statements and if you're using a credit monitoring service so the great thing about all those suggestions help with a lot of different things not just. Smishing, So good, good um, reminders to do everything. And we often talk about two-factor authentication and passwords. I think those are just um, things to really keep an eye on. Switching gears a little bit, um, but just thought it was a very interesting notice. Google is quietly... Bans a deep deep fake training project uh, on its collab. So it's collaboration platform So they quietly banned this project and why this is so important is collab really allows you to use extremely powerful Sharing uh, large-scale sharing resources tools so you can use these really uh, heavy powerful GPUs in the cloud and, and collaborate together so what this this is a really good kind of sign that you know you have the big tech companies monitoring. Hey, what 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 is this technology used for? Um, it's probably not used for something positive, so we're gonna you know we're going to ban it. So deep fakes are obviously for those of that don't know are the the ability to use artificial intelligence to create a video with someone else's face and make it look very very authentic. Um, placing a ban on deep fakes, you know, um, is not Always the the best example, right? You don't always want to ban things, but in this case, I think Google's really done the the right thing. Um, although I don't think there was any nefarious actors involved in this particular case; it was more people just trying to see what they can get out of um, the the ML and AI. Uh, this was really an interesting kind of take, and like I said, quietly, this was very, very quiet, wasn't heavily announced. Um, I saw it on bleepingcomputer.com, something I read uh, regularly, and I thought it was an interesting story to just talk about how you do have um, big tech really trying to balance the scales of, you know, getting involved in things that they think could be misused. Uh, Another, just switching back to kind of traditional cybersecurity, I thought this was an interesting read, Italy warns, uh, you know, to brace for DDoS attacks. So okay, there's a, a Russian pro-activist uh, group that is attacking um, Italy. And so Italy is going out and, and saying that they believe that the security incident response teams, they believe that there'll be additional attacks. And so just for the, the listeners, DDoS attacks are when you flood a tra- traffic to a particular server to try to make it fail or slow down. Um, They're doing it a little bit different, but um, I thought it was interesting that the Italian government had placed that warning out there. We've seen similar warnings here in the United States, uh, and I think it's important to note that there are a lot of tools uh, that big companies are using to prevent DDS attacks, but I think seeing a, a government making that statement... Uh, is a very interesting kind of twist, and we talk about how the government's taking a different role in cybersecurity. Uh, this is a good example of that. And then wrapping it up with kind of the somber Memorial Day coverage of there was a, a, a you know a lot of shootings over the the, the Mor- Memorial Day weekend, uh, and so we continue to see uh, violence throughout the United States and this increase in shootings. I know that. Uh, Reed and team are working on some projects about violence, but 43 people um, you know, were involved in gun violence over the weekend. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like a substantial number, but if you really think about Memorial Day weekend, it is. Uh, eight people were shot in Chicago over the weekend, 12 uh, killed during a parade in Philadelphia, 15 injured, seven people shot in New York City during Memorial Day weekend, Baltimore um, there were four dead uh, th- during a weekend. Ten people shot um, in 10 separate shootings in Portland. One killed and eight wounded in California. Um, and then one uh, dead and seven injured in an Oklahoma festival shooting. So we continue to see um, this kind of media attention to gun violence uh, as, it, as it should be, but also what does that mean for all of us? And I know that the LPRC is working on it. We often talk about the fusion net. Here at the LPRC, and one of the things we're continuing to doing is how can we at the LPRC help um, share information in as a more real-time collaborative fashion. So I know um, we'll we'll continue to activate the fusion net when we see it, but we're continuing to see this this violent uh, crime and it is an epidemic. And I know that there's a lot of great research here at the Lost Prevention Research Council that will help with it. And with that. I will turn
1: it over to Reed. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, Diego Rodriguez, for all the producing, the all the great homework, and uh, all your good insights. Most of all, we thank you all. Stay safe. Stay connected.
0: Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast, presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more Crime Science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.